Hey everybody and welcome hey back. Everybody. Oh my gosh. Oh, do we do it together? No, I do it by myself. <laughs> oh. All right. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Uh, hey everybody and welcome to the Why Should I podcast. I am very excited for today's conversation. I say that every show, but I'm very excited for this one. Um, I have with me my friend Brian Coach and we used to work together as Special Olympics. And uh, we got the boot during quarantine, but it's okay. We are, uh, we're thriving now. And uh, we spent a lot of time playing tennis, and I may or may not have gotten him sick. Um, but anyways, when we worked together, he used to always talk about living and working in Antarctica, and I would just brush it off. But the guy is doing it, and he is now, I don't know if it's the North Pole or the South Pole, whatever. He's living on the ice. And he's living the dream. Brian is one of those guys, never met a stranger, super kind, super fun. So today we're talking, why should I live adventurously? So Brian, welcome to the show. My goodness, what an introduction. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Brian. Welcome to the Why Should I podcast. <laughs> that was so good. Well, I'm, I'm, it's good to see you. Every time we had to do a video at Special Olympics, you were just killing it. <laughs> well... You're so good at the introductions. You didn't even stutter once. <laughs> well, That's the quality impressive. on this is going to be questionable, but you know what? It's all about the What do content. you expect? I'm at the bottom of the earth. That is true. The fact that we're even at, we have a video going right now. It's pretty cool, right? That is I true. I can see where you're at. I can see. That's crazy. So it is Saturday, 5 o'clock in Austin, Texas, but where you're at, it's what? Sunday at noon. So I'm 19 hours ahead of you, I think. Wow. Or, yeah, 19. Wow. I'm in the future. <laughs> okay, so we're going to dive. We're supposed to get some weather today, too. So, hey, look out, Austin, or look out, everybody. Weather's coming. Oh? I'm telling y'all from the future. Does that just mean like an intense snowstorm or something? Yeah, they have three levels here. Con condition one, condition two, condition three. Condition three is the best, and they're expecting condition one. Which means that you have to stay in place where you're at, no matter where you're at. If you're like outside driving a tractor, you have to stay in your tractor and radio the fire station, and then the search and rescue team has to come and save you. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Brian, why should someone live adventurously, not care what people think? Yeah, that's such a personal question. I could tell you why I do it, but you should do whatever it is that you want to do. If the venture's calling you, pursue it for sure. So why did you want to live in Antarctica? I had told you this when we were working together, something about the sense of community. You come to a place that everybody chooses to live, right? Like they had to go through a huge process to be here. So everyone that's here is willingly being here. So that's like a really appealing thing because it's a very small community. I think right now we have 150 people. And so there's no crime, no kids. It's just very simple living in an extraordinary place. And that's a very rare thing to have. So how long are you on the ice? So, yeah, I did a summer contract. With, it brought me here October 12th is when we landed on ice. But we started our adventures September, something like we. It was crazy. We had to do five days of quarantining in San Francisco so you couldn't leave your hotel room and they delivered meals every day 
breakfast, lunch, and dinner for five days in San Francisco. It was so nice. <laughs> and every meal had like the entree, dessert. So five days of that, and you just got chilled, like sleep in your room and watch movies and like play video games. It was great. Then we traveled through a charter plane to New Zealand. So it was only our cohort on this charter plane because it's really hard to get to New Zealand right now with the quarantine or with the pandem pandemic, sorry. And they required us to do 14 days of MIQ, mandatory isolated quarantine in their hotels. So we had to do 14 more days in a hotel room. And then we moved to a break our break-free hotel, which is the United States version of the quarantine or just also staging area before our flights. And we got to stay there for one day. We got to actually meet people and that was really cool. And then we flew to the ice and we got lucky. It didn't get postponed. Usually gets delayed for some weird reason. Mm -hmm. And we made it to the ice. So you are yeah. a so very... year on ice. Full <laughs> year on ice. You're an extremely social person. So how was quarantine for you? What What were your thoughts telling you? I played so much RuneScape. You have no idea. <laughs> just playing video games. And then, you, yeah, you make fun. <laughs> Whoa, what are you laughing at? It's a fun game. But, yeah, you just play games. Okay. And then, yeah, you make phone calls. <laughs> All right. So, okay. And so it's so crazy. I can't say it enough. I'm literally FaceTiming you right now, and I'm in Antarctica. So no matter in that quarantine, it didn't feel like you're alone because you could FaceTime way easier because you had way better internet. Yeah. And you can make phone calls and you do all sorts of like You never really felt like you were isolated. And then we even got one hour of outdoor time, and you got to walk in a weird circle in a courtyard. That was basically their parking lot, but it was fenced in. It looked like a zombie apocalypse movie. It was weird. <laughs> So you have obviously chosen a unique path of life. Why should you? No, it's it's not a diss. <laughs> Why should you like not care about what people think or like the social norms? What? You don't. You don't seem like you. Like, I don't it's know. It's not going to affect who I am, but I. That's not to sit there and say I don't care. I care a lot, almost like too much, which is why you go to a place like this. That's like it seems as if. Everyone wants to care for each other. And like, we're in this together. And that's, again, very rare. Okay. You can get that, obviously, anywhere. And I feel very fortunate. My family, you've met them. I like, they're some of the best people I've ever met. So I've had that growing up my entire life. So it also, like, I can carry that wherever I go. And having that foundation of love that I've always had and can go back to has allowed me to do stuff like this. So as much as it's like you sit there and say, I'm adventurous. Yeah, I'm the one making the decisions, but it, it's like so rooted back to like kind of like I'm grateful for what I've been given in this life and that I can carry on with me. Okay. So what are the things that you use as like guiding principles, if you will, towards the decisions you make in life? Guiding principle. Oh, man. I mean, again, it's so personal. It's like how you want to decipher it. You choose to do certain things every day. You don't really like, right? You chose to wear that hat. You're like, you looked in the mirror, like this hat looks good, <laughs> and it does look good. And you like, you decide so many things, and it goes even deeper into like everywhere in life. Like you're making decisions that can alter your route or whatever you're doing in this life. And so it is just like analyzing where you're at, and like how you're feeling constantly. And I feel like you know yourself better than. Anyone else, you have to go to bed with yourself. You have to think with yourself. You're starting this podcast. Why'd you start this podcast? It's like, yeah. no, you make these decisions from like 
all these formulated thoughts and actions that you've done to make your life where you're at. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. It is. I don't know if that, I, did that make sense at all? <laughs> it does. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. It does. If you had to say like at the end of your life, what, what would you want your life to like be about? My end of my life. It could be tomorrow. Who knows? Uh, I think, yeah, just the idea that I lived as fully as I could. I gave as much effort as I could in every avenue. Okay. Very cool. So what's been, um, give us some highlights from your trip so far. Where do you even begin? Tell us about the race. We talked about this on our phone. (laughs) I ran a a marathon and I had never ran a marathon ever in my life. I don't think I had ever ran over five miles before. And I will never run that again. (laughs) Ever. Didn't you? You ate some bad food or something before? Yeah, for sure. They had the gels and bars at these stations in between. So the way it was, it was on our ice shelf, which is the frozen over ocean. And we have our airfield out there where we land our airplanes. And so it's a pretty long road, long enough to where like the idea was you run from one of the airfields to the other and you go there and back. And that was a half marathon. So if you wanted to run the full marathon, you had to do it twice. And yeah, and each little like they have aid stations at some of the mile markers. So at mile marker three, they would have people there with like like bars that the bakery made and gels and all anything you want, like hand warmers. And what's super interesting is when you run one direction, it's really hot because you're kind of running with the wind. And then when you run back, it's really cold because the wind's going against you. <laughs> so on the way there, like you're like pounding bars at these stations. And I'm like ditching layers because I'm really hot now. And then you get to the turnaround point, you're like, oh my God, I made a grave mistake. Or you can't like use your hands, like get your mitts on. <laughs> and then you have to run all the way back. But you're still getting to these little checkpoints and you're eating all these bars and like trying to like, people tell you like, car, I don't know, eat up. <laughs> and yeah, mile 18, oh my God, code brown. It was so bad. <laughs> Nobody. And then at that point, Obviously, a lot of people aren't on the road anymore because it's not. I mean, people were running it at mile 18, and I could see the turnaround point, so it was like about a mile away. But it, like that's still a mile, and you're like, oh my, I I don't know what to do. Wow. And I was running with a buddy, and I'm like, dude, I don't know if I, <laughs> I got an eight. I gotta chill for a little bit. I gotta walk. And he's like, he was not gonna walk, so he's like still going ahead of me, which also messed up is the entire time this dude was ripping. And it smelled so bad. And I'm like, <laughs> I know. So I feel like he had the demons. Uh, he had whatever in him, too. And it made it seem like he had to do it. And then all of a sudden, it hit me like a freight train. I don't know what was in those bars. But, yeah, then he made it to the turnaround point. Everything was all good. But yeah. then you had, what, the six more miles to make it back? And you're like, oh, that was a very hard leg. Wow. Very hard. Whenever you first said you were going to Antarctica, I definitely thought it was Alaska. Um, I didn't do well in geography. Everyone's like, yeah, how's it up there? Like, it's not up there. It's the bottom of the earth. It's the South Pole. So what's How your... are the polar bears? There's no polar bears here. Oh, here. gosh. So what's your favorite thing about Antarctica? I think it goes along with what I've been saying all along. That's like just a sense of community. And you come here, and again, it's very simple living, which I've wrote about this. It's such a fine line between insanity and tranquility. Mm. It's this weird thing where it's like you're doing the same thing. We work nine or six days a week. 
doing the same stuff at the same base. And I know that like you can feel that even in the real world, six days a week for 10 hours a day, you work 54 hours a week. So you do that. And then it gets into like the social dynamic where it's like you go Monday, we have basketballs, Tuesday, we have volleyball, Wednesdays, we have soccer, Thursdays, we have volleyball, Fridays, we have pickleball. All these things start like filling in your schedule. So it's like you're doing like the routine kicks in really quick. And again, that's where insanity comes in, right? Like you're doing the same things, but you're like trying to feel different. But it's like, no, you feel like like it kind of makes you insane. But that's where the tranquility comes in, right? It's like so easy. You don't have to cook for yourself. You're getting paid to live here. You have your friends and you're able to play all these sports with them or like do different things. They have so many different like creative outlets. You can't really like drive anywhere. And like you kind of feel isolated sometimes when you think about like where you're at. But there were hikes outside and they were like running clubs and then you got to go to Scott Bay. So there's a little bit, but not definitely not like living in the States. So that's where like the tranquility comes in. It's like really just like peaceful in a way. You don't, you don't like, we don't have phones. You can't look at your phone. Every conversation feels real because you can't just sit there and like doze off, like look at your phone. When Does that you, make sense? Yeah. When this experience is over, what do you think is going to be your biggest takeaways? Yeah, the fact that you've gone to a place that I think I told you this number staying through the winter, I think in the entire continent, they say roughly around 700 people will stay. So I'm staying in a continent where only 700 people are going to be in the entire continent. And the continent is bigger than the United States. I'm going to 700 people. I went to high school. My just my class was more than 700 people and I'm in a continent. And that's how many people are going to be here. And you can experience a part of the world that, again, not a lot of people will ever get the chance to see. And I try to sell this pitch to people that it's like way easier than you think to come down here. Like you get, you're getting your stuff paid for. You get a free trip to New Zealand. There's just like so many selling points. It's like people are like, oh, I love to travel. It's like, well, if you want to travel, you could not only travel, get paid, and do something that's, I think, very one of a kind. Okay. What do you miss most about the States? Uh, I mean, you and like family. Yeah. I miss playing tennis Friends with you. and family. <laughs> I know the connections that you, you make connections everywhere, but something about the like deep rooted connections that I've made in my life. That, like, I just wish everyone could be around me at all the time. Like every moment of every day. And Chipotle. That's just impossible. I'm not really, the food here is surprisingly good one. Okay. And I'm just not that much of a foodie. What am I trying? I can't think of it. Cabo Bob's. Cabo oh Bob's. My gosh, I can go to Cabo Bob's. I can eat Cabo Bob's right now. Cabo Bob's. I would like that. A little, send you a care package. It'll probably be uh, rotten by the time it gets to you, but. I got to tell you a funny story. Okay. It's kind of, <laughs> I'm not going to oust who it was, but it was one of the Kiwis, one of the New Zealand people. Yeah. We were over at their base the other night, and I still have a lot of the Special Olympics memorabilia. Mm-hmm. So I like wear it a lot because lot, I just don't have a lot of clothes. So yeah, I wear it. And as you can see, like I'm just kind of outgoing and like just loud, I guess. Yes. People like your energy. So it's like this. Uh, and it was kind of, uh, kind of it's not the nicest thing, but he was like kind of drunk. He was like, I'll be honest. I thought you were special needs because you would like <laughs> wear Special Olympics. And the way that I am like just outgoing. I'm like, no, I mean, I think we all are. We're all on the spectrum, but 
<laughs> That's amazing. Just because I was wearing my like, I wear Special Olympics, and like, yeah, I, I smile a lot and hug people. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so you <laughs> so messed up. <laughs> you first went to Antarctica as a janitor, and now what are you going to be doing? Yeah. So I'm in the waste department. I'm a solid waste stream coordinator. And it is just the fanciest term for a garbage man. I drive a loader, like a big tractor, never driven one in my life. And then I get thrown into a tractor and like basically no real practice. Just go for it. I'm a garbage man now. So if something like really bad were to go down in Antarctica, would they just like make you stay there or would y'all like flee? Uh, I mean, that just so it depends if it's like a big incident where a lot of people are involved. There are medivacs where people like break their break stuff or have heart attacks. There are people that have died on continent they talked about hmm. and they have a weird way to like store bodies until they can get the body off the ice. It's pretty interesting. But yeah, for like medivacs, it's just whenever we have a plane available. But if it's like super serious, they can try to get it expedited. But it's just a lot of resources. It's like kind of intense, right? It's like, oh man, if I were to have something seriously happen, we have our hospital, we have doctors here, but things were like, if you needed some serious stuff, yeah, you're not. It's not gonna look good. <laughs> and another, it's kind of sad story. And such a good friend of mine, he, his wife, got in a car accident and died while he was down here. Oh wow. So tough, right? I know. Dang. It was so tough and. He wanted to get back, but it took him like basically a month before they could get a true plane out for him. Because it's like, for stuff like that, they're not going to, it's unfortunate, right? It's like, I wish they could send a plane right away and he could be there, but. Yeah. It's kind of the price you pay when you come down here. So how do you spend your free time? There's actually a good show last night. A show? I don't know. Yeah, a music show. So good. There's entertainment down there? there? Yeah, there's so much. I can't stress it enough. It's just, it's like society, but really shrunk down to where you can see and do anything that you really want. It's kind of like the Wild West. If you have an idea, you could, oh, you could lead it. We have a chapel. You come down here, you could be a chaplain. I guess you have to be through. (laughs) Okay, well. The chapel's super cool, too. Yeah? Have you gone? Yeah. No. We've, I mean, I've been in it, and I've seen it. <laughs> the chapel was super nice though, this year, too. It was so, super cool. So you say Antarctica is, like, otherworldly. So, like, describe that. What do you it mean? It is. I mean, you didn't even know where it was. <laughs> it's like people aren't aware. Like, you don't realize how <laughs> far away and how different this place is. And you look out, we have, it's mountainous. You wouldn't expect it to be mountainous. The true South Pole is really flat and white because you're, it's actually elevated. I think you're like 10,000 elevation. Hmm. Pretty crazy. But where we're at, we're coastal or even on an island. Yeah, it's not, it's other, it feels otherworldly. Hmm. Well, what is some advice or wisdom that you would leave with somebody to just do? whatever they want to do with their life oh my god i can't (laughs) i was just i was about to post this today you'll see it today i was thinking something about this that 
The world between your eyes can only be as profound as you allow the world between your ears to be. Does hmm. that make sense? It does. Yeah. So it's like you, it's just another way to say like, you can make the world you want to live in, no matter where you're at, no matter what circumstance. You could be living in a hole, but you could be all right. It's all in your mind. You can make that world really cool and beautiful if you put that work in. You can figure out, and I could go into like this huge thing that I think about all the time. I think we've even talked about it before, that you can design like, yeah, like where you are putting a lot of your energy in and where are you wanting to get like see that energy come back out you know mm -hmm. it's like super cool mad props again that you're doing this right like this outlet for you you're so perfect for this <laughs> and if you do, do not forget about us when you're going big and you're like above <laughs> joe rogan and like oh. well interviewing that's all these stars and then we got these we got me at the slum at the bottom oh my do gosh. not forget about us when you go big never never no that's been uh in all seriousness, probably one of my favorite things about you is just that you always are extremely optimistic. Even when we got fired, <laughs> you were, you were <laughs> Mr. Happy-go-lucky. <laughs> so I wish we could tell that story. I don't know if we have enough time. You're like, oh, I'm sorry, Brian. I'm all good. Don't worry about me. And you're like, in your head thinking, oh, I'm all good. And then you got a call. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> and my buddy's there with us. Oh, man. It was fun working with you while it lasted. <laughs> and well, hey, we'll see you down there. Hey, we've got plenty of tennis to go. Yes, One of these do. days you'll beat me. One of these days. I'm working on it. Nah, never mind. I don't think you will. <laughs> Leave the people with something. Yeah. Hey, keep partying. <laughs> keep dancing. How about this? Keep dancing. You're never too old to dance. <laughs> Profound as always. <laughs>